I named this uh, message Dust, D-U-S-T, Dust. Uh, when we read the Gospels, we see that Jesus spoke many parables. Parables are short stories that enable us to understand God's way in the world. Parables echo the everyday life of people. The parables of Jesus are powerful because they echo the longings in the heart of those who suffer pain and injustice of every kind. Jesus hears the pain of those in the marketplace and in the slums of Jerusalem. Jesus could hear the pain of those crying in the temple asking for forgiveness. Jesus could hear the pain as people went about their daily lives. The religious leaders of that time couldn't hear this echo of pain. But Jesus heard it and spoke of it in the parables because parables speak about our life. Jesus once said, those that have an ear, let them hear. We also need to hear that echo of pain coming from our neighborhoods, coming from our inner cities, coming from the jail cells. We need to hear that echo of pain that Jesus heard, and we need to respond to it. Jesus, 43 years ago, responded to that echo of pain in my heart, and my heart has never been the same. In the Japanese language, hibiki means echo. Tell someone next to you, hibiki means echo. And this word hibiki, which means echo, is important to the shortest form of Japanese poetry. And this form of Japanese poetry is called haiku. Tell your neighbor haiku is a form of poetry. Haiku is like the parables that Jesus spoke. Haiku is an echo of what's in the heart of nature and life. Just like the parables of Jesus echoes what's in the heart of life, haiku also echoes what's in the heart of life. Just like the parables of Jesus echoes a busy life in the marketplace and the village square, haiku also echoes the life of the people. Jesus knew that we all have an echo coming from our heart, echo of a lonely heart, echo of a bad marriage, echo of losing a loved one, echo of an empty life. So one can safely say and translate haiku to mean parable. Haiku and parable are basically the same. So in this form of poetry, haiku, it is a hibiki that echoes of what lies deep in the human heart. Haiku or parable is the hibiki that echoes life. Just like the parable of Jesus is the echo of life, haiku is the echo of life. Just like the parables speak about the powers that distort life of meaning, haiku speaks of a silent heart that cries out. And just like the parables speak, speak of an inner world hidden from the naked eye, haiku also speaks of a hidden world that we don't see or hear. So again, haiku is the parable and Hibiki is the echo coming from the parable. Back in the 17th century in Japan lived a man called Basho. Sounds like one of my homeboys, El Basho. Basho speaks of Hibiki echo as a soul of haiku parable. Basho describes Hibiki in this way. When you hit something, 
the noise comes back to you in a matter of an instant. You hit something and it echoes back to you like a drum. You hit and it echoes back to you. Haiku, which is the shortest form of poetry, as I said before, has only two pairs of short verses. The first pair hits something and the second pair echoes it back. So in this sense, the soul of a parable is also the hibiki, the echo. With a parable, Jesus hit the deepest part in the life of people, and in an instant, you get the hibiki, the echo of it, from their heart. A parable hits a human heart, and that heart responds with the echoes of pain, with the echoes of rejection and longing that life has so cruelly brought. When we speak about God and Jesus, it has to have this hibiki, this echo that touches the heart and that heart responds to God. The reason many times our talk about Jesus gets no response is because maybe we haven't heard the echo of Jesus' heart when he speaks to us, the echo of his love for us. Jesus speaks to us, but many times there's no echo, there's no hibiki coming from our heart in gratitude and thanksgiving. Jesus speaks to us, but there is no echo, there is no hibiki, there is no echoing of the hurt and disappointments we carry. Jesus wants to hear our echo of pain. So how do we get this uh, hibiki, this echo in our life? How do we learn to hit something so, it could, so we could hear the echo of life coming from someone's heart or coming from our own heart? Well, first of all, let's turn to Basho, our homeboy, the master of haiku, and let's learn something from him. Let's ask the question, Basho, how do we get that hibiki, that echo that hits the heart of life? Basho's reply is, go to the pine tree if you want to learn about the pine tree. Go to the bamboo if you want to learn about the bamboo. But when you go, you must leave your way of thinking behind. Otherwise, you impose yourself on the object and do not learn from it. Hibiki will flow when you and the object become one. When you have plunged deep enough, you will hear that hibiki, that echo. But Basho goes on to say that after your encounter with the bamboo, the object, your words, and your understanding might sound beautiful. But if they're not natural, they're a counterfeit. Because they have to come from the heart if they're going to touch someone else's heart. Go to the pine if you want to learn about the pine, says Basho. Go to the bamboo if you want to learn about the bamboo. It is as simple as that. If you want to say something about the pine, go to the pine and learn from it. If you want to sing about the bamboo, go to it and let it speak to you. This is how we will hear the hibiki, the echo of life. But let me add to what Basho is saying. Let me add by saying, if you want to learn of the drug addict, you must go to them and hear the echo of their despair, the echo of their emptiness. If you want to learn of the alcoholic, you must go to them and hear the echo of their hopelessness and confusion. And if you want to learn of the prostitute, you must go to them and hear the echo of their hurt, abuse, with no hope to escape. We don't know if Jesus learned from the pine and the bamboo, like our homeboy Basho did. 
But we do know that Jesus learned from the fig tree, the olive tree, and the cedar tree. These trees that gave food to human beings and these trees were the pride of the land. And we also know that Jesus learned from the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. In Matthew uh, 6, 26, Jesus says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? See, with these simple words, Jesus hits something. By talking about the birds in the air and how they are fed by God, Jesus hits something and produces hibiki, an echo. Jesus produces an echo that says that you are worth more than the birds in the air, that you are loved more than the birds in the air. Jesus, echo, Jesus is echoing God's love and compassion through creation. When someone understands what Jesus is saying here, all the cares and worries of the world fade away. Jesus knew that even if he didn't have a home, even though he didn't have a steady income, even though he didn't have Obamacare, even though he didn't have a welfare check or food stamps, he knew his heavenly father would take care of him. Jesus could hear the echo of God, the heart of God. That's why his talk, his abikis, sounds genuine, comforting, and encouraging. He didn't sound like our talk that many times imitates others and turns out to be a counterfeit. People could detect a counterfeit heart. Jesus was a theologian. He was a theologian of the first rank. A theologian is a person who speaks about God in a deeper level. Because Jesus not only talked about doctrines and laws like many of our theologians talk. Jesus not only talked about sin and forgiveness like many of our theologians talk. Jesus not only talked about salvation and being born again like many of our theologians talk. And also, Jesus not only talked about giving sight to the blind and making the cripple walk, like many of our theologians talk. No, because Jesus was a theologian of the first rank. And what made Jesus a first rank theologian is that he could take the simple things in life, the things we take for granted, like the birds, the fig tree, and the olive tree, to teach us God's love toward us. Simple things to teach us God's care and love for us. And if Jesus could turn his thoughts to the birds, he could also turn his thoughts to the lilies of the field to teach us that God will clothe us also. Jesus is a first-ranked theologian. When, we could, when one could speak about birds, about lilies, about a mustard seed, and make them profound and meaningful in our lives, makes him a first-ranked theologian. Jesus had the ability to understand those things he's seen that others seen but didn't understand. Jesus' understanding came from the hibikis, the echoes he heard and felt in his own life and in the life of others. Jesus made us see not the beauty of God, but the beautiful God in the beautiful lilies. Jesus is saying, you want to see the beauty of God? Look at the beautiful lilies and the birds. Many theologians want to show us the beauty of God by drawing our attention to God's heavenly throne in order to see God and all his majesty lifted up 
But Jesus, he wants to show us the beautiful God by drawing our attention to the beautiful lilies. But Jesus, when he wants to teach us about God's providence, he points to the birds and tells us how God provides for them. And it was this same Jesus who could see the beautiful God in the woman that was about to get stoned for adultery and say to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus goes beyond the surface and sees the heart, a heart that has been abused by man. In the pages of scripture, we see Jesus so divine yet so human, so simple yet so profound. That's a first-class theologian. But let's go back to Bacho, our homeboy. And see what, he can, what we can learn from him. Let me read one of Bacho's best-known poems. It goes like this. Breaking the silence of an ancient pond, a frog jumped into the water, a deep echo. Let me repeat that again. Breaking the silence of an ancient pond, a frog jumped into the water, a deep echo. This poem was written on a spring day as Basho was sitting in his riverside house. Imagine yourself being there as a disciple of our homeboy Basho. There was a mile, there was a mile wind in the air, and one or two petals would, of cherry blossom would fall gently to the ground. Now and then in the garden, one could hear the sound of frogs jump into the, into the ancient pond of water. As Basho was in deep meditation, he came up with the second half of the poem, and it went like this. A frog jumped into the water, a deep echo. One of Basho's disciples that was sitting with him suggested that the first part of the poem should go like this. Amidst the flowers of a yellow rose. So the whole so the whole poem would go like this. Amidst the flowers of a yellow rose, a frog jumped into the water, a deep echo. As Bacho thought for a while, he came with the first half of the poem, breaking the silence of an ancient pond. Breaking the silence of an ancient pond. First of all, we noticed that Bacho's disciples made the poem into a beautiful picture that one could imagine with flowers surrounding the pond. Now, the difference between the disciple and Basho was that the disciple was looking at the beautiful scenery in order to create the poem. But Basho was listening to his surroundings in order to create the poem. The disciple was using his eyes to create the poem, while Basho was using his ears to create the poem. The disciple also saw a, a frog jump into the water but he did not hear the deep echo the jumping made. The disciple was looking for something he could see. So the disciple moved from the frog to the flowers. The mystery of that echo in an ancient pond escaped him. In other words, the mysteries that that ancient pond held escaped him. Because if that ancient pond could speak, it would have many stories to tell of men and women who shared their stories to one another, stories of love, stories of children, and the happiness they enjoyed with each other and their children. But that dark, mysterious ancient pond also held stories of tragedy, stories of death, stories of a one, 
of a loved one dying, of a child dying at a young age, of a husband drinking too much and violently abusing her. And with a little imagination, ask yourself, what story would you tell that ancient pond? Basho also saw the yellow rose, but he also saw an ancient pond, and he heard a deep echo. But Basho also heard something before the frog jumped into the water, and what he heard was the silence. He heard the silence of an ancient pond. That pond had been silent for thousands of years, and the master Basho heard the silence as the Apostle Paul heard the earth groaning. As Christians, we see many things every day. We see men, women, and children on busy streets and crowded department stores. We see men, women, and children on TV, sick and hungry, dying and living in shacks. We see, but can we hear the silence in their heart? Could we hear the silence in the heart of a noisy city? like Jesus and Basho did? Could we hear the silence in the heart of men and women com and children competing, struggling, trying to survive in this dog and dog eat world? And can we hear the silence in our own heart, in the midst of our own heart, in the midst of our busy life? Most of us are like Basho's disciples who see the frog and the flowers but do not hear the deep echo breaking the silence. Maybe that's why for many of us our Christianity is dull and stale. So we go back into the world because it's more exciting. To the Apostle Paul and many others, Christianity was exciting and full of surprises. And the reason it was exciting for the Apostle Paul because he could hear what others failed to hear. In Romans 8:22, Paul says that the whole of creation has been groaning and travail until now. Paul could hear all the creation in pain. Paul did not let the busyness of life stop him from hearing the silent pain in the hearts of people. But he also heard the silent cry of all creation and labor. That's what, that's what made Christianity to Paul exciting. He could hear the silent pain echoing from the hearts of people in a busy city. Jesus also heard this silent cry. That's why he said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come unto me, all who labor are heavy laden. He heard the cry of people. Jesus could hear that people were tired, that people were burdened as they went about their business. Jesus heard the longing, the silent cry to belong, to be desired, and to be accepted. What that Samaritan woman by the well felt. Jesus heard her silent cry echoing from her heart. I believe that Jesus also heard all the stories of women echoing from that well. Echoing from that well were stories of joy of having a child. With a little imagination, let's hear a story echoing from that well. It's a story of a virgin girl who shared her story with a friend that an angel had appeared to her and that she had found favor with God and that she would conceive and have a son. It, I was so excited that I started to sing a song of praise 
And when the child was born, shepherds came to me that angels had appeared to them, saying that today is born a Savior. And later some man from the east came and brought gifts. And after eight days, I took him to the temple to be circumcised. And I called him Jesus, as the angel has said. And later when the time came to present him to the Lord, a man named Simeon came and prophesied over Jesus, saying that his eyes had seen God's salvation. I was full of joy when he blessed us. But then he said something very strange. He said that the inner thoughts of many shall be revealed and a sword will also pierce your soul too. I was too scared to ask him what he meant, so I kept quiet. Then a woman named Anna came and spoke about redemption. I didn't understand what all this meant. I was only a young girl. But as my son became an adult, he began to teach with authority and do many miracles. Many people followed him, but many leaders opposed him. Next thing I knew was that they were taking him to Pontius Pilate, asking Pilate to crucify him. Now I started to understand those prophecies in the temple. And when I stood there by the cross of my son, I understood what that man Simeon meant when he said that a sword will pierce my own soul too. I trembled as I remembered those words. But I also remember what Jesus said, that he would rise from the dead. I thought that he was talking about the future resurrection. But one day, as I was walking down the road to Galilee, my son Jesus appeared to me. From then on, my pierced heart was healed. Then my friend and I embraced and began to weep with joy. Jesus also heard the silent emptiness of that Samaritan woman. So if you want to learn about the bamboo, you must go to the bamboo, as our homeboy Basho said. If we want to learn about that Samaritan woman standing on the street corner, we must go to her as Jesus did. And if you want to learn about that drug addict, that alcoholic, that divorced person, or any other person struggling through life, we must go to them as Jesus and Basho did. And let me finish with this. In Genesis uh, 1.27, it says, So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. In our culture, in order for us to communicate some idea, we use words, logic, and formulas. But when God created Adam, God didn't give him a book of logics and formulas in order to reveal himself to Adam. What God did in order to reveal himself to Adam was to make Adam into his own image. And the more Adam reflected God's image, the more he would know God. We are made in God's image, and the more we reflect God's image, the more we will know God. In Genesis 2-7, it says, Then the Lord, God, formed man from the dust of the ground. Here we have a picture of how we were created. Here we see that we didn't come from the intellect of God. In other words, we are not some abstract formula of God. Here we have a picture of God coming down from heaven and making man from the dust of the ground. Why would one think that dust of the ground would be worthy material 
to create humanity. It seems that God would have chosen something a little bit more worthy, like a plant or a flower to create us from, like the flower that Basha's disciples saw. But God created us from the dust of the ground. Dust is something we stand on. Dust is something we wipe off our furniture. Dust is something we sweep off our floor and throw it in the garbage can. Dust is where we bury dead and useless things. Dust is something we have no use for. Dust is something we spend money on like dust mouth vacuum cleaner to get rid of. Yet dust is what God made us from. Maybe God heard something echoing from the dust of the ground. Maybe in the midst of all the silence and beauty, God heard an echo like the Apostle Paul heard the earth groaning in pain. Maybe God heard an echo from the dust of the ground like he heard the echo of the blood of Abel crying from the dust of the ground. Maybe God heard the echo of all humanity through all the ages crying from the dust of the ground. God hears things that we don't hear. And God can see beyond the dust, beyond the dirt, filth that people carry on their bodies. God sees beyond our sinfulness and hears our cry. God can hear our pain when no one else can. God hears the pain of our addiction. God hears the pain of our tormented past. God hears our hopeless condition. And like Genesis 2, he wants to come down and make us once again into his own image. He wants to take our formless life and create a new person. He wants to take our broken lives and form it into his own image. He wants to take our twisted minds and broken heart and give us a new mind and a new heart. God heard something in the dust of the ground that we would never have heard. God knew that the dust of the ground would produce sinful human beings that pervert his ways and reject the God that created them. God knew that we would create idols, such as Facebook, Twitter, every sort of technology to replace them. But God also knew that one day he would also be formed from the dust of the ground in order to save us. God and Jesus became flesh, became dust in order to save us. And we could, and we, we could say that the dust maker became dust for us. And like dust, we wipe Jesus off our lives and throw him in the garbage just like we do dirt. But even when we reject Jesus, Jesus still hears our cry and comes to us that he may create something new. There is an echo coming from our lives and God wants to hear it. So let's remember what our homeboy Basho said. If you want to learn from the bamboo, go to it.